Welcome to the Holy Catholic Brew. My name is Lyndon Chan, and I'm a newly minted young professional. I've been blessed with the presence of really amazing, faithful Catholics in my life, and by the grace of God in my own life. This podcast is meant to distill some of the fruitiest, strongest, and most concentrated graces I've received that I think others might benefit from hearing. So sit back, grab your favorite brew, and tune in with me for interviews and reflections as we steep ourselves in the infinite, life-giving love of God. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Holy Catholic Brew. Today I interview Sister Mary Grace, who is a nun at the Sisters of Life convent in Toronto. While Sister Mary Grace grew up as a devout Catholic, she never expected to become a nun, especially for the Sisters of Life, who have a very special vocation. For her song, Sister Mary Grace chose I Will Wait by Mumford & Sons. Why, you may ask? Well, stay tuned and find out. Enjoy! to see you by the way <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so i guess yeah i guess we can start um so yeah i i started this podcast like about two years ago um okay. it's called the holy catholic brew and we're um and i'm running this from a chinese catholic media organization called fountain of love and life okay um so i guess that's my introduction um could you introduce yourself and i guess like Absolutely. a little bit on because we both know Jeremy, you can introduce how you got to know yeah. Jeremy. Absolutely. I know, gosh, I feel like I should have a cup of coffee with me. <laughs> um, but I love the name of the podcast, by the way. It's very cool. I'm a big appreciator of uh, my caffeine intake, so that uh, <laughs> definitely helps me. But, well, my name is Sister Mary Grace, and it's true. We know each other by the sounds of it through Jeremy, uh, who is a, a seminarian at St. Augustine's, and we have a beautiful relationship with the seminary there, uh, those priests serve our community so beautifully we go to them for spiritual direction for the gift of their fatherhood for their priestly prayers to intercede for our women that we serve uh, so we're often often over at the seminary or calling the fathers for prayers or asking them to, to take our sins away in jesus name so we we're often around and about the seminary so we see jeremy all over the place uh, and him on the young adult scene too so that's how we know jeremy but i am a sister of life um i've had the gift of being part of the community of the Sisters of Life for about six years now and I joined after I took a very long plane ride from Australia, Sydney, Australia, probably picked up on my accent so far. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and I entered in New York and then after about five years of formation, three to five years of formation, I then had the privilege of professing my first vows as a religious sister and when that happens we have the gift of being missioned for the first time to a particular convent place or a particular mission within our community and lucky me we're sent straight up to the cold north um, wow. of Toronto and I've been here for the past two years uh, up here in Canada so this is I've spent all my professed life up here and uh, it's been a pure gift and a real eye-opener yeah mm -hmm, I see um so where are you originally from? Were you from Australia? Well, you, wait, you went to Australia and then you went to the States, right? Yes, I went from my mother's womb into Australia. Oh, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> Australia on the beaches, been there my whole life. And actually, and actually, 
yeah, never thought I'd be anywhere else, to be honest. I love to travel, moved around a lot. Uh, but I grew up uh, on the east coast of Australia on a, on a beach there. A lot of people might know it. It's called Manly Beach. Um, and I never dreamt of living anywhere else. And I even remember, gosh, I remember in secondary school being like, you know what? I wouldn't even leave my own neighborhood. This, I love it. The beach, the hot air, um, the dry summers, the long summers that seem to sometimes last a whole year. It was all uh, definitely part of my plans to, to stay home. Yeah. But I had no idea how much more the Lord had in store for me. I see. Um, so I've actually seen the Sisters of Life around at the Newman Center because I was a, I was a student at University of Toronto. Um, and as far as I know, your um, apostle is to serving women in crisis pregnancies. Um, yeah. Is there more to that? Like, I'm, I'm actually really curious. Yeah, absolutely. That would be our primary mission. Yes. Uh, we were founded in 1991 by the a Cardinal, uh, Cardinal O'Connor. In New York and really we were founded uh, for the sake and service of the human person um, and our missions have a huge range uh, because you know the truth that the human person is good is uh, beautifully made uh, made with purpose and meaning um, and has an inherent goodness in it that nothing can take that away or we can never lose um, this this belief and truth in the human person is is kind of easily forgotten today you know it's uh you know we don't have to look far within ourselves or around in the culture that uh, places so much pressure sometimes on us to be useful and efficient or or define us by what we do or or what we've done uh, but we know that there's so much more to the human person than that uh, they're, they're created for greatness for love and uh, meaning and purpose that is inherent and good uh, so our, our charism we take a fourth vow we take like all religious three vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience uh, to follow radically the Lord Jesus Christ, his life. And then as sisters of life, we take a fourth vow to protect and enhance the sacredness of human life, uh, which is really a, a mission for our day and age uh, that is so crucial. So we, as you mentioned, we serve women in crisis pregnancies. It's definitely our primary mission. Um, and yet it's not limited to that um, for the sake of life, which it ranges the whole breadth of life. So from the littlest, the most vulnerable in the womb, um, until the elderly, till we take our last breath, we, we stand in guard and uh, service for life. So that can take many different shapes and forms. Uh, we also run retreats for young adults. We spend a lot of time in a, an evangelization mission where we spread the good news of God's plan for life and love for every human person, um, which stretches us to university campuses where we've probably bumped into you a couple of times. Uh, up here in Toronto too, we also have the great gift of um, serving women who have suffered the very real experience of an abortion that causes great pain and hurt. And it's our gift to walk alongside these brave and courageous women um, along the path of healing that the Lord so desires to give each one of them to new uh, new depths of his love that they, that they often forget or don't think is possible again. So we have the joy of sharing that good news. And then we also run retreats for young adults, for women, college students. Uh, so you can see it spans across a whole... Um, bunch of different uh, avenues, uh, but yes, to serve the most vulnerable is um, what we've been made and created for. Mm -hmm. uh, so another thing I was wondering is, um, how are things going now that there's coronavirus? <laughs> yeah, good question. I know, not no one has been left unaffected by it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, in our missions, they only grow all the more um, active, 
to be honest, it's amazing. The Lord has, has sent us many consistently women who are still in need of the good news of this message, that their life is good and that um, uh, our setbacks don't hold us back. Uh, so we keep uh, serving women who are in crisis and vulnerable to abortion, and we walk with them. We accompany them and we show them all the possibilities um, that even though sometimes uh, things come up in our life that are unpredictable, um, that we didn't expect or plan for, that, that God's bigger than that. And his mercy goes far deeper and that there is a way forward and we'll we'll walk it with you. So the Lord has kept us active and busy. We're definitely, obviously, not going out as much. We're keeping our social distance. <laughs> we're being obedient citizens. Um, yet we're also keeping active the essential service of um, service to human life where it's most needed. So we're doing a lot more phone calls. Uh, we're keeping our house nice and clean. Uh, but the mission is very much alive and active and, and we're learning to be flexible and work within it. Um, but one awesome thing actually, even recently, just to see the Lord's providence, just, I think it was about two weeks before, you know, all the restrictions kind of came into Toronto. We were in full swing in our missions and we got this, we started getting these random super large donations of things that we thought we really didn't need. Like literally one weekend, we got this truckload of baby diapers. Now, usually we give them away in great supply, but at this point we got that many diapers, we didn't even have enough space to put them. The diapers were in the bathrooms, they're in the kitchen, we had them everywhere. Um, until literally two weeks later, this pandemic hits and and almost the greatest demand for the women that we are currently serving is all these mothers who are limited um, to either staying in their home, they couldn't go out, don't have the money or the capacity to get diapers, or the diapers are sold out, and yet we had a storeroom full of them. Uh, so the Lord is is at work. He knows what's going on, and He's providing ravi- ravishly for it. It's it's beautiful to see God um, still pour out His love and providence no matter what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, I asked you beforehand to pick a song um, that you felt really related to your. <laughs> To your vocation and your discernment of it. Um, that was a hard. That was a hard thing to narrow it down to. <laughs> mm-hmm, Had a lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you picked "I Will Wait" by Mumford and Sons. Right? Could you explain yeah. a little bit about that? Absolutely. Gosh, I just really wanted to listen to that song again. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's not just because I'm a big fan of. I was a big fan of Mumford and Sons before I entered. We, me, and my siblings. I'm. I'm a, I'm in a family of one of four um, brothers and sisters. So we, we, we were big followers of Mumford and Sons and definitely I will wait for you. I think came out around the time that I was really seriously uh, considering belonging to the Lord Jesus totally. So that, that hit home. Uh, so that one came first to mind and uh, gosh, you know, I was thinking about, I was like, you know, when I was discerning and really thinking about being a sister, I was singing that left, right. And so every time I got in the car, I'd crank it up, put the windows down singing to the Lord, telling him how good I was, waiting for him. I will wait, I will wait for you. And I'd sing it again and again and, and think, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord. Uh, and it struck me in my discernment at one point when I was listening to this song, how much more the Lord was waiting for me. Um, and, you know, the more I took each little step at a time towards him, I could see him I could see that all along it was really the Lord that was waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was waiting for me to give him my hopes and, and dreams for my life, that he was waiting for me to give him permission to come in, that he was waiting for me to trust him 
And at each point that I took one little but mighty step toward him and trust that he was going to take care of everything, that he really did have a great plan in store for me, even though at most times I didn't see it or I was very um, scared to think it was possible, that I hesitated to trust him. Uh, those words, you know, I will wait for you. The Lord was patiently waiting at each step for me to trust him, to let him in more. But I could really see him provide extravagantly for me. Um, and yet he never pressured me. You know, that was one of the marvelous things that I loved about this song was that, you know, our Lord, our Lord waits for us. He waits for us to trust him, to give him permission. And every time we say, yes, Lord, every time we say, I trust in you, whether we see or we don't see where the path is unfolding, uh, that, that, that little act of trust opens the floodgates to heaven to let him do so much for us. And that was really my experience of discerning and letting the Lord show me how to trust in him and his plan and what he had in store. Um, is that, um, yeah, just that little act of trust. Uh, he waited every time and every act of trust gave way to so much more grace that he always had in store and planned for me to receive. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Um, so I guess, like, could you tell me more about how you discern the religious life? Uh, I guess that's like a nice segue into that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, I didn't even know there were living happy nuns around <laughs> growing mm -hmm. up. Um, in Sydney, Australia, my exposure to religious life was little next to nothing. I think I saw one point there was like a, a group of nuns that came to my secondary school at one point, and all I remember was that they prayed a lot uh, and they had no chocolate and they weren't allowed to go to the beach. <laughs> so from a young age, I was like, no way, I'm not going to think about it, consider mm -hmm. it. Uh, and I wasn't rejecting it because it didn't um, sound interesting, but I was just like, I just don't think I'd ever want that. It, it didn't sound happy, didn't sound at any way appealing. So I um, didn't literally give it one more second of thought. And it wasn't until um, this big uh, international event called World Youth Day, a lot of you probably have heard about that or been to it, um, it came to Australia in 2008. And really the, the universal church kind of exploded upon Sydney. You know, that was the first year that I was out of secondary school. So I just turned 18 uh, and I had great dreams for my life. I wanted to do so much. Uh, you know, my, I guess one of my biggest dreams was always to become a professional athlete in some way. Uh, and I didn't really care what sport. I just wanted to go to the Olympics. That was like my big, my big dream. So mm -hmm. I applied for studies and different ways that I could do something in sport. So I had dreams, but I, you know, I never, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something great with my life. Um, so I started, you know, applying at all these different places. And then World Youth Day hit Sydney mm -hmm. and uh, the events, they came and went um, until my parents came across this group of unusual looking women in blue and white uh, at mass one day during the week. And they asked them who they were and they said, we're the sisters of life. And uh, my parents at that point in life had um, been running Irish pubs in Sydney. So they closed the restaurant and they said, come on over for a good steak and chips. We Australians will show you how to have a real, uh, a real bit of lamb. And we fed them one night. We closed the pub down. The sisters filled the hotel. Uh, and that night I went up and I kept them at a safe distance. I was like, this is just strange. It's weird. I don't know why they're here. I don't know how to talk to them. Uh, and then finally I mustered up the courage to talk to them. And, you know, Linda, I was so struck by them. Here they were, these young, normal sisters, um, not much older than me, 
I had given up everything, mm-hmm. absolutely everything I was looking for in my life. And yet there was something about them. They were, they were relatable. <laughs> they were normal. Uh, they, were al- they were alive in some way that I had never quite seen before and was never so attracted to. Uh, and I remember thinking when I was sitting amongst them, these are the kind of women I want to be. You know, I, this is the last place that I think I'd ever look. <laughs> but in some way, I can see myself in them. And I, and I want to live like that. I want to love like that. Um, and there's something exceptionally appealing about them. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I was like, this is just a phase I'm going through. Um, this is something beyond me. You know, they're going to get in a plane. They're going to go fly back to New York. I'm going to forget about them and it'll all be over. And so they went back to New York. The weekend finished. Uh, and, you know, what, that first spark that, that sat in my heart at that point, it never quite went out. Uh, and the years passed, literally five, six years. And, you know, I could not forget about these sisters. And I, and I realized that it wasn't just these sisters. It was, it, was, it was encountering women in love, women that were in love with um, a real living man that they called their spouse, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and it made them alive. And uh, that resonated. I was like, that's what I want. I want, I want to know more about them. And so after a number of years of going back and forth and I studied and um, I studied theology, I worked full time at my university and campus ministry. Um, I was very happy, very content with my life. Um, and again, another moment was when I was driving home from work one day, I had a full time job and I just started kind of praying very naturally out of my heart. And I said to the Lord out loud, I was like, God, you know, I'm so I'm so happy with my life. You know, I got I got the dream job I want. I um, I love my family. Have a great group of friends. I don't want to move away from, from the beach. Um, I'm happy. And yet, as I sat there driving, keeping my hands on the wheel, <laughs> I realized also in my heart that uh, I'm not quite satisfied. You know, I'm 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 grateful for my life, but I'm not quite content. There must be something more. I want for something more. And, you know, my memory went straight back to that time that I met the Sisters of Life again. And I was like, those sisters, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there is something about those sisters and who they were living for and how it changed everything about them that, you know, what I just couldn't, I just couldn't forget about. And maybe I thought, maybe I need to look at that a little bit more. Maybe there's something, there's something there that I need to look at a little bit closer. And so I did. And uh, that's when... You know, the, probably the, the term discernment kicked in and I actually mm-hmm. began to look at it a little bit closer rather than keeping it at a safe distance. Mm-hmm. I see. Wow. So before you were working in campus ministry? Yes. I see. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I studied at um, the University of Notre Dame in Sydney mm-hmm. and uh, I applied for a lot of different things and, and jumped around. To be honest, I, I, as I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I did teaching for a while. I did uh, sports event management. I jumped um, uh, to other event management. Uh, And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do something I enjoy and then I'll see where that leads. And so Mm -hmm. I did, I started studying theology actually, uh, because I loved my faith, but I I knew I didn't know a lot about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was interesting to me and it was actually affecting my life. So I took on theology and graduated with um, a Bachelor of Theology and that led to campus ministry full-time, and I absolutely love that, sharing mm-hmm. the faith, um, 
uh, telling people about the Lord, bringing them to real encounters with him. Uh, yeah, I could have done that job for the rest of my life and been been pretty mm -hmm. happy, not totally happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how did you, I guess it must have been like a hard decision then, right? Like between campus ministry, which is like a lay life, and then also like the Sisters of Life. So how did you figure out, I guess, like mm -hmm. why, like where God was calling you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Yeah, it was hard. It was tough. And um, it was really difficult because, you know, I never, I was never like dissatisfied with my life. That was the fascinating yeah. thing. Like I was like, oh, this is not working. I'll give the nun, the sisterhood thing a trial. Yeah. You, know, this right. you know, I would say that the Lord really um, awoke my heart when my life was fully alive. You mm -hmm. know, I, I was... I was, I was somewhat happy. And yet in the midst of that, there was like a deeper longing for more. And even though I couldn't articulate it at the time, it was a longing for Jesus that I had received, not worked out, that was in my heart. And it was unquenchable, uh, you know, and I was doing everything in my life to quench that fire. You know, I, I was doing the job I wanted. I was living in the place I wanted. I had the friends I wanted. And yet that was a turning point for me because I realized I can't, I can't determine my own vocation myself. You know, I can't grasp at it. I can't figure it out on my own and I can't make myself happy. That is something that only the Lord can do. And yet I had to, I had to try and do it myself for years until I finally got the point. <laughs> mm -hmm. And really that was the first point that I actually turned to Jesus and said, what do you want from mm -hmm. me? What, what are your plans for me? What is this more? Um, and, you know, I noticed when I was doing campus ministry, uh, I remember one day I was standing outside um, the church after the regular mass on campus at my university and all the students were coming out. And uh, there was, we had like this barbecue going and we had free uh, sausages and meats for the students. And as the students were filing out, I was looking at them and thinking of all the events I was going to tell them about, the Bible studies, the... Mm -hmm. uh, the retreats that we had on offer. And as they were coming out, I looked at them and I just, out of, out of my heart came a very ordinary prayer. I was ordinary prayer that came out, simple and real. And I just said to the Lord, I want to walk with them closer. You know, I just don't want to, I just don't want to uh, organize events for them. I want to tell them about you, you know, and I, and I want to, I want to journey with them in a closer way. And I desire I had a desire to live more for you. Um, and so there were little ways in my very ordinary life, working as a campus minister or wherever I was, that I noticed there were these little uh, bright lights of like wanting to live more from my heart. Um, and the more I realized that, the more uh, that I was drawn to Jesus in prayer uh, and the sacraments and really um, asking the Lord, like, what was this that was going on in my heart that he wanted to, that he was he was really pulling me into, and so really to to start discernment, I really to take it seriously. Um, I started talking and praying more, to be honest, uh, and talking and praying uh, with people that I knew I could trust. Uh, it was one of the most courageous acts I did, even though it was only simple. But one of the first steps was literally getting in touch with the Sisters of Life, the community uh -huh. that I was drawn to, um, unexpectedly uh, yet uh, very strongly. So, you know, sending that, uh, filling in a web form on the Sisters of Life mm -hmm. website, so small, and yet it was a big deal. And it took a lot of sleepless mm -hmm. nights to actually make that first step. Uh, but I was so grateful for that because we're never meant to be alone in discernment. 
So to have um, a community walk with me and help me ask the right questions uh, and guide me in the right questions to ask, I had no idea what to do next, to be perfectly honest. Um, I didn't even know there was a word discernment. I didn't even know how to spell it. Like I, I, we often don't get told about these things. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good not to be alone in it. So definitely reaching out to the sisters. And then the willingness to go to my heart with Jesus and just to be real and honest with him. And I spent a good while. I spent um, a good while just putting aside time in my day uh, to speak with Jesus from my heart. And what does that mean, speaking from the heart? It means being real, honest, telling him about my hopes and my dreams, the things that scared me, like, you know, saying goodbye to this job that I thought was great and, and ticked all the boxes, um, to the fears of not having, you know, my own children. That was always a dream that was just part of what the future looked like and Without that part of my future or the possibility of that not um, happening in that particular way, that scared me. I was like, well, if that's gone, then what, Lord? So bringing that to the Lord, the possibility of living away from home, from my own family, who I loved with every bit of me. I was like, gosh, I don't know whether I could do that. Lord, what do you, what do you think about that? How are you going to take care of me in that way? And so over the course of, I would say it was up to a year where I really just let my heart feel and think and share it with Jesus rather than kind of keeping it cooped up um, and speaking to my spiritual director regularly, um, but definitely reaching out to the community, uh, putting aside prayer every day, being real with Jesus about my fears and my hopes too, the things that I wanted to do, uh, what got me passionate, my heart racing. And then thirdly, definitely speaking to a spiritual director that could help me guide me too. Because yeah, as, as I said, the Lord never wants us to be alone. And I, I think I was alone in my discernment for too long. Um, but as soon as I let trusted um, people in, people that I could look up to, people that are, have experience in this area, uh, the more I could freely uh, ask the big questions and have them answered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, was your family ever, like, against you joining the Sisters of Life? <laughs> definitely never against me, but they definitely made me ask questions. <laughs> uh -huh. My family will always had my back. I was very blessed to have a family. Uh, that believed uh, and you know I, I think I take I took that for granted a lot um, and any family that loves each other deeply uh, never wants to be far from each other yeah. and uh, to be honest I was asking a great deal of them I was uh, I was considering moving to a place that was basically the longest plane ride you could get yeah. away from Sydney <laughs> um, you know and our, our choices are affect the people around us so it's a good consideration so yes it was it was it was hard for my family, uh, just as much as it was hard for me, and yet it was different for all of us. Um, and and I know that for a while I had to I had to um, protect my heart and and really let my heart talk it over with Jesus for a long time before I brought it to them. Um, but my family always had my back, and they always wanted me to be happy. And I think mm -hmm. families do desire that deeply. They want what is good for us, what is happy for us. Um, and just like I didn't expect to be a sister, even uh, even more so, my family didn't think I'd be a sister or even uh, I think they knew me better than anyone and were worried about me being faithful to getting up at 5 a.m., which is a daily miracle that I'm able mm -hmm. to get up at the time, <laughs> one day at a time. Um, but, yes, it was hard. It was hard to tell them, and it's still hard not to be close to my family. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, I do have to say, Lyndon, that the very, that the very gifts that were most difficult to give back to Jesus, 
have been the greatest sources of blessings. And I say that with complete confidence because I've experienced that even in my few years of religious life, um, that some of the greatest blessings have come through my family. And that was, I would say for myself personally, one of the greatest offerings. Um, and they've had my back. Um, but just as the Lord asks um, us to trust him greatly, he also asks our family to trust in this. And our vocation is not just for ourselves. Um, every time we say yes to the Lord, whether it's to uh, marriage and, and whether that leads you, leads you away to another country to live in your fam to with your husband or your spouse, or it's to enter religious community around the corner or, or over the seas. Um, great love always encompasses the cross and the cross is never fruitless. Um, so I, I pray in time too that, 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 that God continues to bless that, but I know that um, he will continue to do so. I'll never forget the first time my family came to visit me after uh, it was a good while that I'd seen them because usually in the first couple of years of formation, there's less less opportunity to see your family. So I hadn't seen my parents and my brother, brothers and sisters for a long time. And my family came to visit and uh, I was counting down the days. It was like every night I had the calendar out, 10, 9, 8, it's like three days in air. <laughs> it's a long way. And I, I remember waking up that morning and uh, I was sitting just inside the door of the convent waiting for my family to drive up the driveway and uh, watching kind of every turn of every leaf. And then finally I see this car driving up the driveway and I saw my mum's bright blonde hair in the front seat. <laughs> I knew it was her, unmistakable. And she gets out of the car and I take one look and I knew it was her. And and it was like all of a sudden, Lyndon, I came like became like five years old. I threw up the door, she threw open her car door, we caught each other's eyes and beeline for each other, sprinted, ran, jumped into mum's eyes. I nearly knocked her over the poor thing. <laughs> And uh, we embraced and we laughed and we cried. And I would have to say that's one of the most beautiful memories I have in my life, you know, that, uh, um, realizing how much I love my family. And to be honest, as much as I love them, I did take them for granted in some ways. And now every encounter I have with them, although it's less and shorter, is all the more richer. And I look forward to it. And you know what? I look even more forward to the gift and promise of heaven that a time when we'll all be together forever and we won't have to say goodbye or farewell anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so it definitely the crosses and the offerings become the greater sources of blessings. Sometimes we see it. Sometimes the Lord asks, asks us to wait and trust a little longer. Mm -hmm. um, so how did you, I guess, did it ever come to your mind that like maybe God was calling you towards a religious life, but maybe it could have been with a different order? Like maybe because you experienced the Sisters of Life first that you kind of close the door to other orders. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, every, you, I mean, you ask any sister or priest a vocation mm -hmm. story and it's always different. So I can definitely witness to my own. Uh, but for me, it was like, it was, gosh, it could probably compared to like, you know, when a woman sees her, um, you know, some people, when she meets her husband for the first time, she knows. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that was the gift uh, the Lord wanted me to experience when I first met the Sisters of Life. When I met them, I knew, like as if they were family, that they were the one. That um, the way that they loved life, the way that they loved to serve human life, the way that they loved the Lord Jesus and saw him as spouse, 
the way that they were able to laugh and have a good time, <laughs> from the way that uh, they saw the Blessed Mother as uh, truly their mother and someone to to imitate and to uh, and to know well and to go to. It seemed like everything about the sister of, Sisters of Life seemed so strangely familiar. And for me, that was a great gift that the, that the Lord knew I needed <laughs> and I needed to be uh, assured of that. So for me, yes, it was, it, was, um, it was always the Sisters of Life from the beginning. And yet I did look into other communities without a doubt. I, um, I looked into several other communities, very similar, beautiful religious orders. Um, and, and, you know, the experience when I went to other communities or spent time with them, the call to religious life resonated and I loved hanging out with religious and I was always moved by the priests in my life. Faith, good priests always moved me. Um, and I always wanted uh, to belong to the Lord Jesus in a way that I could. And so religious women were always uh, so encouraging and inspiring to me when I was a laywoman. Uh, um, and so when I spent time with other religious sisters, I could see a beauty and I admired it and looked up to it and was inspired by it. But when I was with the Sisters of Life, I saw a beauty and I desired to live it out. And that was the difference. Um, I wanted to live it out. And there was an experience of belonging too when I met the sisters. It just seemed right. And I know that kind of uh, maybe not give all the answers, but it is, it is a mystery, you know. But a woman knows in her heart when she belongs somewhere and when she has found her way to love. And I definitely found it in the Sisters of Life. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So how has your faith changed uh, since you joined the Sisters of Life? Mm. How's my faith changed? Huh. It's definitely, it's changed a lot. I would mm -hmm. say, um, please God, it's grown. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you know, as Sisters... We go to Jesus for everything. Um, and that definitely wasn't my life before religious life. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had a lot of go-tos in life. I had a lot of uh, other people, places, good things, um, not so good things that I went to um, for happiness, uh, for pleasure, for um, inspiration. Um, and since becoming a sister of life, uh, the soul, uh, the really, the, the, the very... Uh, jewel of this vocation is to go to Jesus in everything. Um, and so as, as I learn to live a sister each day, um, my faith has grown in how much Jesus is faithful on his end to that, that he so desires to be everything for us, you know, um, to, be, to be all the love that my heart craves for you know, to be everything I need, actually, practically and spiritually, everything that I need. He wants, he wants to, to show me how to live each day, uh, uh, to fulfill my heart's desires, uh, um, to literally do everything for me. Um, and I think before, you know, I kind of trusted in the Lord. I trusted that, yeah, he wants me to be happy. Yes, he's going to do everything for me. Yes, he cares about me. And then the beautiful experience in religious life is really the grace to be able to go to Jesus in everything. Um, and that takes time. Trust, <laughs> it's a lifelong, 
lifestyle as any 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 faithful uh, Christian, and it's and it's and it's a difficult road, and yet it's blessed. Um, and so I would say that yeah, I've learned to trust more, to to learn that Jesus really is faithful on His end, and I don't have to worry about having it all together anymore. I just have to worry about being little and being me, um, and letting uh, my struggles and my gifts my joys and my sorrows uh, given to Jesus and that I don't have to be afraid that he won't uh, be faithful. Mm-hmm. And we well, see, I... It, I see it, I see it in my own life, him fulfill the very real desires that I had before and are growing ever still. And I see him faithful to the women that we serve. It's extraordinary what we see in the missions. You know, we, um, every day we get to see, literally before our eyes, women in the most difficult of situations when everyone in the world and sometimes, unfortunately, everyone in their life seems to be against them um, and and against uh, what seems to be impossible. And as we walk with these women and love them uh, and remind them of who they are and remind them of who the Lord is as Father, Provider, uh, that he he has given us his son Jesus to love us, to redeem us, to save us, uh, to actually and practically take care of us. Um, and as each woman takes every heroic step forward towards the Lord Jesus, we see him provide lavishly, like over and beyond. Um, and these women we get to see. So my faith is has blossomed uh, mostly when I get to witness every day these women who are in difficult situations dare to dream again or women that have been in difficult situations they've experienced the trauma of an abortion and yet they trust that jesus will give more that he will heal and redeem that uh, he has mercy that is endless for them and to see these women come alive absolutely uh, yeah becomes a gift and a source of faith for all of us sisters mm-hmm. yeah. actually could you work oh. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Could you share a little bit on like your daily routine? I don't think we covered that. In a lot yeah, of for sure. Yeah, you mentioned yes. the five a.m. wake up. Right? Yes, <laughs> we didn't get further than the five a.m. rise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, we do. Um, we uh, rise with the Lord at five a.m. all together, and then we all gather together as a lo- as in our all of our convent communities in the chapel. We all have the gift of having Jesus' uh, presence in the Blessed Sacrament in a little chapel. We go down there and we start with prayer. Um, we start with prayer. We pray the Liturgy of the Hours, which is a prayer of the entire church that every uh, layman and religious is invited and actually encouraged to pray. And it's really based on scripture uh, and the Psalms where we get to pray what Jesus would have prayed really. And so we chant this for about 45 minutes in the morning. And then we have uh, a, a Eucharistic Holy Hour where the Lord's exposed before us on the tabernacle, just to be with Jesus, um, our spouse, our beloved. And uh, then we typically have mass, um, uh, the gift of mass when it is available to us in our convent. Um, and, and then after that, we usually go in um, to having a much earned breakfast and good coffee. <laughs> and then that usually leads into uh, our apostolic hours. So, and then we usually have apostolic hours till about midday and we pause for prayer again. And really our whole our whole day is um, uh, scheduled on a routine of um, prayer, of work and prayer. Uh, and we start with the Eucharist because that's where we really receive all that we have to give. 
and very much like at the visitation where the Blessed Mother um, first received Jesus in her heart. She received him, the love that every human heart is craving for. She received him and she went out in haste to give him away to those in need. And so as Sisters of Life, we begin with Jesus. We receive him into our own hearts first. Uh, where we're filled and then we uh, go out and, and, and give him away the greatest gift that we have to give, the only gift that we have to give in our own love and the own way that we all uniquely love and give. So then we spend hours of uh, um, apostolic work. So that would be serving the women, our crisis missions, retreats, wherever our local missions uh, call us forth. Uh, and then we come back in the afternoon for another period of meditation and we have all our meals together. Uh, two of them we have in silence and we usually have something either read to us or we listen to. Uh, and then we have one very um, chatty break, ch chatty meal where we all get to be together. We also spend time together, recreation we call it, where sisters will spend a good, uh, joyful hour together, whether it's playing cards or uh, catching up. Um, and then we finish the evening again then with uh, what we call Compline, which is the last of the hours of the day. Uh, so we begin, we stop, and we end with Jesus, and all between giving him and receiving him in uh, the apostolic, apostolic work. That's yeah. great, yeah. It just occurred to me that being in a convent during coronavirus doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, in some ways, it is It is a real uh, gift and a challenge in different ways too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're, we're usually so active. We really do, as Sisters of Life, go out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and now we have a chance to, to stay home and go within, and we do have the gift. I mean, I cannot... Uh, rave enough now about the gift of just having a schedule each day. You know, it's so mm -hmm. important to, to have a routine and, and to stick it out even when you don't feel like it. You know, I I don't know if I've ever woken up and wanted to get up at 5 a.m., to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and there are times when it's really hard to to listen to the bell and go immediately. Um, but, and yet at the same time, uh, that's how God powerfully works in our life is, is, is when we say yes to him, when we're obedient, uh, when we give him permission to work through our lives. Um, and so just having a schedule where we commit to, um, but yes, yeah, staying at home, we see each other a lot more. So I'm getting to know my sisters on a level that I'd never known before, even though we spent a lot of time, we're spending a whole lot more time together, <laughs> which is really a gift and a, and a challenge to to love, really, to love deeper than what we have before um, and, and to be willing to, to love when it hurts, to be willing to um, choose to love. You know, it's very easy to, um, you know, love when it feels good, but when it's hard or you um, have to make a choice to love, which really love authentically is a choice for the other's good. And when we're, when we're in much closer quarters and we have to spend a lot more time together, it really gives all of us a challenge to step up to greatness, to really um let God like anchor us in a, in a deeper love for each other that, that goes beyond feelings and good times. It, uh, and then, and then when we experience that, we also experience a deeper joy. You know, we, we haven't laughed so much in so long, our sisters, and it's like we're in the middle of an epidemic. And yet, and yet yeah. there's reason to laugh because, and to have fun because we know at the ultimate, at the end of the day that, um, God has us in his hands and that, uh, that, uh, He's always doing something far greater and so much better than the evil that is around us or that presses against us. And so we have to. We have to live in hope that um, God is in control and that if we faithfully obey him and and remain faithful to our prayer every day, that he's going to do it. It's it's 
it's up to him anyway. <laughs> and we just do our faithful little part, our faithful little part. Okay, thank you. Uh, and my last question is, uh, if you were, if you could talk back to your 18 year old self, what would you say to her? <laughs> so much. <laughs> uh, you know, I think to be honest, Leonard, it all boils down to one word I would have said to myself. I would have said, trust, sister, trust. Trust that God knows what's coming. Trust that God, God knows your vocation. He knows what will make you happy. And that you don't have to worry about the past and you don't have to be anxious about the future. That uh, he has something very good in store for you. That it might not be what you expect uh, or it may be what you, what you anticipate. Who knows? God knows. Uh, and it is good and it is for you. So just trust. Trust in the Lord's uh, plan for your life and live, live now. You know, I think uh, one of the greatest graces for me in my vocation was when I visited the Sisters of Life. And I went on a vocation retreat and, you know, I spent the whole previous year, you know, doing my duty of discernment. You know, I, I ticked all the boxes. I was making all the calls to the sisters. I was seeing my spiritual director. I was getting to mass every day. You know, I was doing everything that I could do. And yet when I visited the sisters, I didn't know right away. There was no neon flashing lights. There was no warm feelings that, yes, I made it. This is the one. You know, Jesus didn't speak to me from the tabernacle. I didn't, I didn't know what he wanted. And that was scary. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was so afraid. I was like, Jesus, I've done everything. You know, I've, I've done everything. What, what do you want? Um, and when I was, I had an opportunity to pray before the uh, a time of adoration. So our Lord, again, exposed in the Blessed Sacrament. And I really felt like the Lord asked me, what do you want? You know, uh, what do you want? And, you know, I know that in my discernment, so much of the journey, I was asking the Lord, what did he want? And that's good. And we have to ask that, Lord, what do you want? And yet, and yet we can't ignore our own hearts. And for the first time, I really looked at my heart and I was honest with Jesus. And I said, Lord, I, I, I want to love you like these sisters love you. I want to serve you like these sisters serve you. I want to be yours like these sisters are yours. And, you know, that was the first time I ever said that. I was so scared of saying that in case he would agree. <laughs> and then I really felt in the silence of my heart that the Lord said to me then, just like a passing thought, what if what you want is what I want? And what I want is what you want. And, Lyndon, it was almost as if immediately I received this grace of freedom that all my fear kind of just lifted off for a little while. Because I realized that all the Lord wanted for me in my life was my deepest desire. He wanted my happiness. And I really received the grace to believe that. And I thought, I have nothing to be afraid of. Because what he wants, Jesus' will for our life, is what our heart has been created for. And the deepest happiness that I could ever get to is God's will for me. And those two things were never meant to be separated. You know, we, our vocation is not a matter of figuring it out and jumping on that train. No, it's discovering the gift that Jesus gave uniquely to each of us and then living it out. And that, pro, and that, 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 that is a journey, and it's a journey with Jesus. Um, and Jesus is with us on the journey. You know, we don't start when we begin our vocation. Our vocation is now where we are, and the Lord will show us and guide us. And I wish I, wish I, I had the chance 
but I'll, I'll tell you instead. <laughs> I wish that I trusted that. Uh, trust that I would trust in Jesus more. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Lyndon. God bless you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you for what you're doing. <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, have a good rest of the day, man. Thank you. God bless. Okay, bye, bye bye. God bless. Bye bye. A big thank you to Sister Mary Grace for taking the time out of her schedule to be interviewed. As we mentioned in this episode, the Sisters of Life minister to those in crisis pregnancies and protect the right to life in our society. They also offer our retreats, and during this COVID-19 pandemic, they also offer online retreats. I will leave more resources in the show notes so you can take a look. Next in the queue, we have an interview with Father Peter Turone who is a parish priest at St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in the Archdiocese of Toronto, and also the campus chaplain for the Newman Centre at the University of Toronto. And now let's have a listen to I Will Wait by Mumford & Sons. Enjoy! Days of dust, wish we'd known, will blow 